0: see purpose as an evolving truth. It continues to evolve and if we hold it too tightly, yeah. it breaks, not bends. And I believe purpose is an ever-evolving truth. Yeah. So my purpose, I feel a current which at yeah. its deepest core for myself, I feel is soul.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Venus and Mars podcast. You've got your host Anya Shack here and we're about to dive in To one of my favorite topics which is of course learning more about men learning more about women and coming together uh to bring information that we don't typically get to hear um just in our day to day lives and to do that i'm really really excited to have this gentleman on with me his name is dean and he's a mentor and coach helping people reconnect to their soul and their dreams he's somebody that has really found his purpose as a man and he's been using that um fire and energy and passion to help so many men around him he's a leader in the men's work space we're going to talk a lot about what the hell is men's work which i'm so excited to get into he's associated with a gathering of men which is an annual gathering that occurs within australia and he believes each man has a gift to share with the world and in giving this gift the world heals and i believe the same so without further ado welcome dean
0: yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. It feels so good to come back to this conversation and I feel like we get to go deeper. We we jumped on a live like probably <laughs> over a year ago now and it feels like this is like a new layer to that and I feel like we've both been on our own journey. So mm. such a privilege to be here and thank you for having me.
1: Of course, I'm so excited. Yes, it's like one year later, you guys. Um, Dean is in uh, northern Australia right now. As you all know, I'm here in Dallas, Texas, and this would not be possible without the magic of the internet. So I'm grateful for that. And um, it feels like you've changed a lot this year. Can you just give me a little rundown, just like from the heart, like who have you become over the past year?
2: Mm, I,
0: I I love this question, <laughs> and and I'm going to look to weave it into this topic of men's work because. Okay. I feel like over the last year, I've been really questioning what does it mean to be a man and what does that look like? So earlier this year, I went through a separation with a partner and that was a big experience for myself where um, we decided to part ways and I felt like this was very much an initiation experience. And and for me in this, I noticed there was a lot of like boy energy running the show. Like I'm very happy to be in my boy, like child play. But he, he was more running the show. And so in the last year, there's been a maturing that's occurred through this separation. I, I believe that's been one of my biggest experiences over the last year. And as a man, I learned to live with choice. Mm. And, and I think for me, this is one of the bottom lines of what it means to like be a man if we want to use that language is actually to live with the choices we make and know that we chose them mm. so so there's been things in that in the last year where i've questioned oh did i make the right choice did i do the wrong thing etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. and it's actually just been like oh i chose this i chose to walk this path and so for me there's been a solidifying that I chose to walk this way and I continue to choose my path and I need to take complete ownership of all of that. And before that, it was very much easier to be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like something that it's someone else's doing or someone else's fault. So for me, the last year has been anchoring into this maturing of, oh, yeah, I'm the one living this life. And so for me, that that's really affected how I'm showing up in this space, how I'm leading and though I was leading before, I feel like there's always continued evolutions in this work. And, and for me, myself, I always want to be evolving as I, I know I can only take up and to the depths that I've gone myself. So mm. this year, there's, there's been a lot of internal work of Hermiton out in like uh, northeast east. New South Wales here in Australia I had a little temple space where I kind of closed off from community for a few months and just really came back to myself and I think this is important as men as people to have periods where it's more internal where we're in ourselves so that's just been a little bit of the journey
1: Mm, that's really very important and you know when it comes to relationships I love Thank you for speaking about that. And I would, if you're open to it, love to dive in just a little further into that topic. Is that okay?
2: Yeah, that's okay.
1: Awesome. Um, You know, there's a lot of misconceptions around men and men's like willingness to be committed or the the readiness of men to be in a full, long lasting relationship, right? And I, I'm just curious, like just in your experience and, you know, that ending for you, did you find that there were elements that you needed to continue to look for as a man? Or did you, like, how did you think about yourself after that relationship?
0: So the, those realizations after the relationship. And I think this is an important point because there's a part of me that is aware that if I chose that enough, I could have fought for that relationship mm. and it probably would have killed me at the same time. So there was a willingness to let it go because I felt that was what's needed for both of us. And if I look at the trajectory of both of us afterwards, we've had a lot of individual growth and it's been tremendous for us. Mm. Um, And and so for me, there's a lot of nuance in this space because I work with a lot of David Dieter's like three stages of relationship where there's codependence, uh, independence, and then interdependence. So in my previous relationship, there was a lot of codependence. And I find for myself that to separate that, it's possible to do within relationship. I do believe that. And it it also requires a lot of work to actually do that. And there needs a deep devotion from everyone in it.
2: Mm. And
0: and for, for me and myself, there was like, oh, there's actually other desires that were alive in my life that I felt I had to honor.
2: Mm. otherwise
0: there would be resentment within the relationship
2: yeah so
0: I, I feel like there's a conversation here in that space of like what is a deeper layers because for me it was like oh I, I experience desire to experience these things by myself like I, there's travel I want to do by myself there's things that I had felt limited within the relationship and I can see where that was codependence.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but through the separation, it allowed us to emerge into that more interdependent state where there is still love. Like we talk now and there's so much love and who knows what merges in the future. But yeah, I think there's the importance to be willing to go through that evolution and dependent on the relationship, how that decides to go through as well.
1: Love that. You know what's that makes me think of? So actually a couple years ago, um, I was dating someone in Los Angeles before I left LA and he broke up with me and I was heartbroken, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it was almost like he knew that there was something to be found separately, you know, in our journeys. And so only a year later did I realize, you know, I needed to go here and there and do this. And like, you know, it wasn't right. I almost feel like That was the ending of that relationship was his leadership. Whereas in the past, I've experienced men like not put a stake in their ground, either ending it or being fully in it. And then they are just kind of like halfway in it. And they're almost like waiting for the woman to, to say it. And so- I found the difference in that to be so amazing. And um, I'm curious about your experience with something like that.
0: Hmm. I I definitely agree. Like, I feel the importance of that separation from that relationship. Mm -hmm. We both had unfinished business. And, And like, when I reflect on how we started the relationship, there was, I know in myself, there was like, if I'm in a relationship, there's a part of me that's complete that I'm not complete without the relationship. Ah. So there's this need, there was this like codependence there, mm-hmm. like that's the best thing I have for it. Yeah. So the formation of the relationship was coming from a place of this will like fill that hole or fill that void yeah. rather than actually coming as two complete people. And that was on my end anyway, where I thought, oh, this will give me what I desire. This will give me everything. Yeah. And I hadn't done the work to actually fill my own life with what I desire in this world. And mm. like I think that's the same with any relationship. And I, I think then relationships are necessarily like I, I don't believe it's like I need to come to a relationship and be whole and perfect, <laughs> perfect. the first time. Yeah. No, no, no. It, it's yeah. not like that. It's like cool, noticing this of like, oh I, like that part of me felt like I was going to get something from this relationship yeah and, and they, like if i look back i i continue to give more and more thinking this will like get me what i needed but yeah. it actually needed me to excavate myself from it and go live my own life know more of myself so i could live true to myself be an individual person in this world and then come in relationship from that space now it's a very different energy than if it's like yeah. oh Fix me or feel me or whatever yes. it is. It, it's completely different.
1: That's amazing. Actually, that this book that I'm reading, um, I know we mentioned it before, uh, the sake the divine secrets of eros and chaos. And she was even talking about um the word she used was differentiation. She was like, When you are mm-hmm. a differentiated human being, you have a unique stance in the world. Like you feel like, okay, this is me. Um, that is. A perfect time to get into a relationship um but so many of us don't become differentiated because we're not willing to take the risks that are that are required to be, be you and so i I lead that to ask you as a man like what were some of the risks that you had to take um to go from not knowing yourself to finding your purpose
0: oh that, that's <laughs> a big question that's a big, that's a big question um And like, I agree, like we've we've got to be willing to take risks. So like for me, my whole journey has been a a lot of stepping into that unknown and being like, I don't know what's on the other side of that. And I think that is an absolute requirement in this world to actually know why we're here to be willing to say yes to like, for me, it's that little pull, And I normally get an, oh, fuck, I need to do that. And, (laughs) And it's like at the start, I was like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. That's too much. um and and that started so I started my like I guess societal adult journey in becoming an an engineer so studying engineering going to university and doing all that now at at the end of my degree I got to the point where I was depressed I was anxious um I I, before I finished I started using psychedelics and I was like oh right I don't want to be an engineer I, I don't. I spent the last four and a half years studying, working my ass off, yeah. and I don't want to be an engineer.
2: Yeah. And
0: so I, I, I said no to that. I went and got a job. I like didn't care for it.
2: Yeah. Like
0: I was a pool boy. I was a farm worker. At jobs that like my ego was like you're better than this. Like wanted to be more. Mm-hmm. But I knew that if I went down the path of an engineer, I would have got stuck in that box of like i'm an engineer and now i'm on the path of progression and i got to keep going and so this was like the first moment where i was like there's something else Mm. and i did some travel and i did exploration and i just continued following that like afraid of there's something else here whether that was like investing in my first coach when i was like
2: Mm.
0: was everything i had in my account it was like seven thousand australian dollars and i was like shit i'm lost I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm scared. I'm alone. I feel no one understands me. Mm -hmm. And it was like, this was the next step. And and so there's been moments for me where I've been willing to put it on the line over and over again. And I don't believe this is everyone's journey. I've been someone who's probably been a little bit more extreme in my like seeking um, to some capacity, Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's served me and for me, this is what's given me a solidarity in being able to live like this, being like, oh, where am I getting called to? Yes, can I trust, like, the divine? Can I trust that something else has guided me? Mm. Because my I, I'm someone who wants to control, and I believe most people do. It's like, yeah, just exactly. tell me what's next so I know what's going to happen. Yeah. And it's like, can, can we follow that feeling that leads us? And for me, that that is one of the biggest sins of, that allows a man to come into himself is to actually trust that feeling.
1: That's very important. And I think that a man being able to trust that feeling in himself is what draws a woman to him because he can actually feel himself. So I'm curious, like, how does a man go from not feeling the feeling and then to be able to access that? Like, how do you teach that? How does that happen?
0: So... The number one thing for me is slowness, stillness and, and just like removing distraction. Mm. So it, it, it doesn't really matter for me how that's done, but that there's our modern world is very much filled with things. It's like, you know, we get home from work, we get on the phone, we look at the TV, we read a book even, and there's no time for just sitting in the feeling or the being. And so for me, like, starting meditation and journal practice, going out in nature with no technology Mm. and and just walking or sitting. Like these are some real basics for me that actually allow that slowing down because most men that become disconnected from, I I call it their feminine aspect because that's their emotional body and it, and it works. It doesn't work slower, but there's a disconnect that's occurred within a man. So he generally needs to slow down to realize the subtle layers where it's like, Oh, that was actually a no for me. I I had a boundary there that I've overstepped. I've said yes to something I didn't want to do, Mm. or I'm I'm working a job that, holy shit, I don't actually like. Like for me, I spent them four years in engineering. I was depressed anxious like having panic attacks Mm. and I didn't even consider that I didn't want to do this like that wasn't in my awareness it was just like this is what I do this is what I'm meant to do there wasn't a thought of I don't want to be here I don't want to do this so so, how did you get there though like
1: how did you choose engineering initially I'm curious
0: so truthfully I had no idea what to do. Okay. I was good at maths. I was like good at the science, the intellectual. Like yeah. I, I was very high level academic, I yeah. guess you would say. Yep. And I seen my, my brother go down the path of an engineer and I was like, oh, there's there's a level of safety within that. Yeah. So I, I think I through being, seeing that he went down it, yeah. I didn't have to choose to make my own decisions.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Makes sense. So then you scrapped all that and then you got into the coaching and then what happened
0: so i started coaching almost four years ago now but at the start i had no idea what i was doing yeah so i don't even know how this happened when i was working at the pool shop like i've done some breath work i've done some healing work i got a message from like a random number and it was like hey do you want to do this nlp course And that was my gateway into coaching. It turned out to be a coaching course. I said yes to it. And then I realized I had no fucking idea what I was doing. And I was actually not, I had no idea how to coach, what that meant. And then I just went on like a four-year journey of learning how to coach, how to be coached, like Mm -hmm. how to actually embody myself. I signed up for like, however many different coaches, like invested again, retreats, medicine work. Like I went on this deep journey to actually be like, who do I need to become to be able to be a coach and hold people in the way that I want to hold them and and to be, be connected to myself. So at the start, it was like, that does it like carrot of like, Oh, you can be a coach and you can earn money. And then I was like, Oh, I'm actually not ready to be a coach and I need to go on this journey to become that version of me. So there's been a lot of work in men's work and a few different circles.
1: So talk to me, what, if pretend I have no idea what men's work is, tell me, what is it?
0: I I love this this question because for me, it's something that's like so nuanced, so expansive and can have so many different answers. Um, and, And I think it can vary. So I've had conversations with a dear brother of mine, you know, Jacob O'Neill, yes. um, and we're talking about like back in the old days, like more our parents age and that like there was a lot more men coming together in community, whether it was sports and they'd come talk and those a like, there's a degree where that is men's work in some capacity but it's not like traditionally what i'd call men's work but there is that acknowledgement that men coming together that that's generally where the work happens like for me if i create a space where there's no technology no distractions no drugs or alcohol and it's just men generally something magical will happen and i'd call that men's work like like for me it's quite broad but like For me, it's a place for men to connect and slow down and actually share their emotions, what's real, and peel off some layers of the masks they may be wearing. Like my first exposure to men's work was sitting in a men's circle. So this was a space where we would come together and there would be a facilitator who led us through actually sharing what's on our hearts. So this was actually beginning to connect to the emotionality of ourselves of being like oh I'm angry I feel sadness I feel like joy and actually beginning to communicate that like I think that's a bare bones of like where a lot of men start in this work to just begin to articulate I feel this emotion and then maybe express why or what that is about and help a man to connect to that Uh, I think that's some of the that was some of my first work that was some of the most beautiful experiences like being learned to because there are a lot of men there's a disconnect in feeling safe to share around other men yeah and being like i can be in my emotionality yeah so a lot of these men come in and it's like oh they learn to share their emotions they learn to share like Oh, I can be connected to myself and it's okay to tell another man I'm sad yeah holy shit that can be a game changer
1: that's so crazy yeah I've noticed a lot of men actually this is one thing I have been shocked by in my the last few years of also coaching and um, being in this work the amount of men that don't trust men is something that I've heard a lot um, what do you think that is where does that come from?
0: So I I believe this is both a societal conditioning as well as like a personal family story that generally plays out. So if we look at like the last hundred years or so, there's been two world wars, there's been um, other wars as well. And, And what would happen in these experiences is before that men would come into a space or like be born and they'd probably go work with their fathers, even before the industrial revolution, like the men would be working with their fathers in the fields or whatever it was. So there was this tutoring from other men of like, this is what it means to be a man. This is like other men teaching men how to be men Yeah, in, in some capacity. And I don't believe that was all healthy. Like they were probably very disconnected from the emotion still, but there was a relationship between father and son.
2: Yeah. Now,
0: when we came up to the World Wars, a lot of like men got shipped away to fight, et cetera. And then the women started looking after the men, like the young boys as well. So yeah. there's now a disconnect between the father and son, yeah. as well as like the Industrial Revolution, where the men would go off to work where no longer was a man at home teaching his father or uh, his son or his son working with his father. Now, for me, this is a bit of societal conditioning. And then that's kind of just propagated throughout. And we, we go into the modern age and, you know, we get shipped off to school where, the majority of teachers are female, which I don't have a problem with, but there's a lack of he- healthy masculinity for a lot of young boys to connect to. Absolutely. And there's and there's this teaching that we need to compete with other men, that we need to, like, fight. And, like, there's this Absolutely. primordial uh, nature that isn't addressed yeah. and it's suppressed. So yeah. men be like, I need to fight, I need to prove, and that creates a little bit of unsafety because men don't know how to express that. Without it being violent, so
2: yes. they walk
0: around with like these angry fucking demons that's yeah. not expressed, and other men are like, "Oh, I know you have that, but I don't also feel safe because you're not safe to express that right.
1: and that creates
0: a further disconnect." So, right, and, and, and then going into like families, in the modern day, the rate of divorce, all of this, right. which generally separates a kid from his father like that was my experience um I grew up mainly with my mom in which my dad was still around but he would work and etc and it, it's no one's fault but it was just the way of society totally. and, and and there was like a lot of disconnect from for myself from that so it was like oh I didn't feel safe because my father wasn't around there was that abandonment wound of like you don't love me so then that translated over to other men where it's like oh if you get too close you will leave me now other men have a similar thing, which may show up in a different way or a slightly different variation but there's generally that core wound and with the masculine
1: yeah absolutely um yes agrarian societies um definitely were so different and then i think women were also included in because pre-industrial revolution um women were doing a lot of work, right? At home, right? It's like, it's not like the woman was just sitting around. She was, she was doing a lot of work in the homestead and the home. And then it seemed like post-industrial revolution, the man would go off to work and then the woman actually wouldn't have much of a purpose. Um, and so that kind of created the problems on the female side. And then later on, there were some incentives. I don't know if it's the same in Australia. I'm actually curious. In the United States, around the 60s um, and 70s, they created some incentives for single mothers. Like first, these laws were were basically began when like men had they were shipped to go work far distances or they had to leave. They were they helped out the single moms, right, um, or the moms that didn't have their husbands there. But then there became all of these incentives for single mothers, especially those living in um, areas of poverty. So over the past couple of decades, there's just been this like incentivized singleness with women um having children without a father present and so I'm curious if that's similar in Australia
0: it's not something I know much about yeah I know there is incentives in rural areas like small country towns um, for different things but I don't know the specifics to have a full conversation about
1: love it yeah no it's just it's all it's like all of the little aspects of society just like you're talking about all bring us to this moment here where men are doing work <laughs> so yeah yeah
0: and it's much needed
1: yeah and women too you know I think that whole what's interesting to me is I think the biggest um, paradox weird thing is we live in this very hyper masculine world right like we have the 24 hours we have our nine to five jobs we have all of this we we don't appreciate men. Like we don't appreciate the like humans that embody masculinity because I think that a lot of women are embodying those qualities right now. And so there's almost like a resentment there. Um, What do you think men, the men that you work with have the hardest time with right now?
0: So the men I I generally work with are looking to follow their dreams in some way. They have a vision that they want to birth. Now, 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 I find at the core, a lot of it is this feeling of, I'm not good enough. Like, I, I don't get this. I'm not worthy of having the things I want mm. in whatever way, shape or form. But that, that's generally the root cause. Now, that may show up in procrastination. It may show up in perfectionism. It may be the imposter of, like, who, who, who am I to be doing this or have this? But underneath it, it's this feeling of, I'm not worthy.
1: Yes. So many women don't realize how unworthy men feel. Don't you think?
0: Yeah. 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 I, I think it's a thing. I, I was speaking to Meg about this. We did a podcast, Meg O'Neill, and you, you yeah. know her. And it yes. was this beautiful thing where we had this conversation about the the role a woman plays with giving rise to a man's masculinity. And this is going back to our like conversation about how men maybe disconnected from that now it's been taught that we need to punish people to improve them like if we look at the school system you get it wrong you like it makes someone work harder now the same has been conditioned into a lot of women about masculinity as well and so it's like you're not being a man enough so I need to punish you and point it out and shame you rather than like calling forth the like being like oh your little boy's here like yeah. the part of you that doesn't feel good enough. And it's like, oh, there's a beauty in that when, like, I know for me, I've been seen by my partner when my little boy's like, you know, running the show and she's yeah. like, oh, I can love this. It's, it's not like who you fully are, but that part can be loved. And that actually allows me to father that little boy so I can show up more as the man I want to be in relationship where I can come to relationship and be like, hey, I'm, I'm here. Because if I shame that, if I push that away, it's like, oh, that part of me bad, is bad. But then yeah. he's just going to yell louder and louder because I'm disconnected from him. And, and mm-hmm. I, there's no blame on women here, but it's just something to notice because I feel like it's, it's, like it's men's fault, it's women's fault, and there's a lot of blame. But it's actually about coming back to a co-creative force where it's like, hey, we're actually here to give rise throughout all these like old toxic patterns to give forth birth of something new.
1: Love it. I agree. I think um, it's it's a hell of a lot more effective to inspire someone instead of criticize them. Um, It works better just in general in every aspect at work, um, with your friends, And in relationships, of course, I think that's so beautiful. Um, I was recently listening to uh, this video someone sent me. It was actually a pastor talking about the creation story. And, you know, I'm Jewish, but I like to listen to what people have to say, especially about men and women. So it's always interesting to me. And one thing he said was a real woman isn't looking for a lover. She's just looking to go back to her father, where she came from. And that really resonated for me. And in the same way as like what you're talking, what you're speaking to when like the little boy is out to play and it's it's not the, the man, the the father, right? The patriarch that is like handling shit. The, the little girl, when she can't trust that that person is always going to be there for her, then she starts to freak out. And so it all makes a lot of sense to me, um, because then she starts to feel like, oh, she's not the little girl. she's has to play some sort of mother role, which is kind of a backwards um, way of, I think, the rightful connection between um, a man and woman in that way. I'm so curious your thoughts on on that.
0: I feel that there's a little bit of nuance in here that Like I I agree. And and then there's a little part of me that feels like this can also create problems within relationship because I know for myself, for example, I've probably projected that archetypal mother or that like goddess onto a partner where it's like perfection. You need to show up like this all the time
2: yes,
0: and we, we can, ignore the humanness of a partner if we go down only that route of like uh you you are the archetypal like all father i mean god by that and it's like yes and and we we need to acknowledge the humanness and i do believe like the little girl she's like yes she wants that father to be there but also knowing that like as humans we're going to mess it up and we're going to be messy and, and like that can be the long and to feel that safe to feel that held and right. that's like one of the most beautiful innocent experiences for that little girl to feel that long and to be like completely held and safe held by the divine and then if we project that onto a partner at times
2: right. and uh,
0: make them take ultimate responsibility for that it will actually create a disconnect because now that partner has to be perfect rather than his human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, like that longing is true and beautiful, but also to be aware that that is directed towards God, not the partner. So yeah. there's this yeah. separation.
1: Dean, mic drop. That was a mic drop moment. I love what you just said. I love how you built on that because you're right. Like, if I desire to be, you know, in my little girl sometimes then why can't a man also be in his little boy at times and to be able to honor that um you know what you're so right because if i if we project that onto men then that's what creates that like stone cold i can't mess up i'm like a productivity machine kind of behavior you're so right thank you
0: yeah yeah Absolute pleasure. And I, I think this is like the thing. So like the archetypal longings is so, so beautiful because yeah. like, I can feel that longing for, for myself to like fall into the like goddess and just be held <laughs> and loved and nourished. Yeah. And I, I also have to recognize like my partner can be a representation of that at times yep. and yep. like play that role. But if I always expect that from her, Totally. Well, she, like th- that's a lot of pressure that's a lot of weight only the divine can do that and, and to remember that
1: that's beautiful I love that you know another thing he said that I thought was really great was like you know when in the bible when God was talking about um, you know and God created man he's he's like he didn't just mean like the male man means human Um, and I just I really love that so this idea that our spirit, like my spirit and your spirit is identical. We are spirits. And then we have these, you know, I guess, earth suits that we're wearing so that we can procreate and we can create life and we can experience the earthly delights, right, of life. And um, I think that for me helped me really start to land like the masculine purpose, right, the, of maleness or the feminine purpose of being a female, I'm curious, like what you have found to be the the two kind of purposes that we live here on Earth. I know
2: (laughs) we're
0: we're going deep here. I am enjoying this. Me too. For myself, I'm so hesitant to say I've found the two purposes. Yeah, like that. That's what feels true for me because yeah. I, I believe there's like this part of me that's like, yeah, I came here to experience. I came here to enjoy this ride, to get to know who I am at my core, and also recognize my own divinity. Like, uh, uh, be like, oh, I get to know who I am in this world, and I get to like see what I can create. Like, th- there's yeah. part of me that's like the little child in this world who's like, oh, can I do that? Like, is it possible to do this? And just like for the sense of creation, like that, that for me has been the place I've wanted to operate from for a while. Like, I believe I'm here to serve, to like create impact and all of that. But there's a part of me that's like, yeah. And like, if I'm just coming at it with that hard masculine force of like, I'm here to fix the world. And like, it's the same old paradigm of like what's happened before. And so for me, I have a very magical worldview where, if we go into the realm of magic, there's been two different aeons, like two different time periods. Like people talk about the age of Aquarius mm. and in the past we've had the age of Isis, which was more a matriarchal like society where mm. hunter gatherers, et cetera. Then we went into the age of the aeon of Osiris, which is more the masculine, like, you know, king time period for the last however many thousand years and at the moment i feel there's a new emergence of this age of horror aeon of horus they call it where it's like oh the child of osiris and isis and and for me this is like what my purpose in a sense is it's like to recognize that we are here to play we are here to show up with love and to meet in this curious like creation of life I I don't think there is a singular purpose I can identify other than for me to play my own role in the tapestry of life. Like Mm. that, that that for me is it. And I don't know how that looks or like the concise language, but there's this curiosity of like, okay, like this is life. I I think if I try and know my ego gets really big and I'm like, I know how to fix the world. I know how to do all this but I don't yeah and, and for, for me the purpose is to surrender that and come into the humanness as well as the divine and hold that paradox of like yeah do our best like can, can I be here can I do what I want to do to create what I want to create and enjoy the process
1: mm, I love that it sounds like you're just tapping into your instincts tapping into like what is being spoken through you and you're just following the steps day by day Mm. you know step by step that's great i love that
0: yeah like like this is for me one of the things like in the men's workspace people talk a lot about purpose
1: yeah
2: and
0: i i i I feel very connected to that but i see purpose as an evolving truth it continues to evolve and if we can like hold it too tightly it breaks not bends and I believe purpose is an ever-evolving truth so my purpose I feel a current which at its deepest core for myself I feel is soul but there's other like how that weaves ever changes like I've done men's work I've done like more magical ritual work I've done relationship stuff like it's ever-evolving but there's a deep current that seems to run true and I follow that. That is my purpose, not this more surface level of how that shows up. And, and that's always my invitation for people to actually t- touch into that deeper current that feels true because if my purpose becomes about my job or my work, it, that I get my identity from and that doesn't serve <laughs> me because if, like, say for me, if my business failed or whatever it was, like and that was my purpose then I'm lost it's like oh what do I do what's my purpose but for me I know my purpose sits down here on the path of soul and that's what Mm -hmm. I'm here to bring to this world Mm -hmm. so if my business fails hey that kind of sucks but it also like it doesn't matter in that scheme because it's like cool okay what else can I do oh I can create like I don't know I can write a book I can you know host other things there's open possibilities rather than uh attachment to a certain thing.
1: Yeah, you know, that makes me think of like, you know, maybe the man who attached his purpose to his work and then had two kids and then was neglectful and just like didn't give them as much time as he really as they deserve to have of his time and then later on in his life he realizes oh actually my greater purpose was to be a great dad. And I missed out on it for eight years, 10 years, or however long it took for him to get that. And I think what you're speaking to is more so the the kindness and the, the compassion and the strength and all of these like characteristics that manhood could be. And it might be different for every man, but if maybe those are the things that you're living by, You don't get so lost.
2: And
0: and what I hear in that, for me, it's bringing it back inside,
1: Mm. like
0: rather than having the external of a job or like that, it's like, what is my internal purpose like, and guide from that place?
1: Yeah. So, okay. I hear a lot of men talking about legacy. That's like a really like a Mm. buzzword, right? In the men's space. They're just all men, I think. They're always saying like, "Oh, yeah, I got to make sure I have my legacy." What does that mean to you, and how do you relate to that word? Oh,
0: so I'm probably a bit of an outlier here. Okay. Like, uh, or I'm aware that I hold the paradox here. Okay. And let's hear it. This for me is is awareness. So I feel a lot of what a lot of what a lot of legacy is about is ensuring that we live on. Like, that's the desire, to know that we live on through time and space. And this is going back to more the game's sake. There's an awareness in me that everything will die, everything I create, everything I do, everything that, like, if I impacted the whole world, the whole 8 billion people in a 1,000 years, no one would know of me. And and so so for me, legacy is more about the transmission I leave leave Mm -hmm. behind. So it's about how I am with the people, how I am within myself and that transmission to the people around me. I I don't believe my legacy needs to be about like the impact in the external, but it needs to be like, what transmission did I hold throughout this life? Like for me, I want that to be one of possibility or one of creation, one of like you get to be who you are and you get to embrace that. And for me, that transmission, that energetic current, of like this is who you get to be in this space this world has a possibility of that that's what I yeah. want to leave
1: that's so I love that that makes a lot of sense to me so then question for you how do you think about you know I always hear about um we're talking about relational work and men and women coming together there's this always this notion of like a man wanting to build his kingdom right and then invite um his queen into his kingdom so how do you see that like when it comes to a kingdom? in my mind, it always feels very like specific, but maybe it doesn't have to be. What is your view on that?
0: So one of the things I love in this is always bringing it back inside. okay like of building the internal kingdom because I believe when a person does that, so within so without. So okay. if we actually go, go inwards and be like, okay, who do I want to be on the inside? And, mm-hmm. and for me, if we look at the work of Jung, of like his active imagination, if we look at different like technologies we have to explore ourselves, a lot of it is about building the internal capacity. So having whatever this could be, archetypal figures that live within us that support us. Mm. So for me, through the ability to create these internal capacities to help us be the version of ourselves we're here to be. Yeah. Yeah. I believe naturally, like, if you desire whatever kingdom that will be, it will emerge on the outside. So for me, the kingdom actually happens within. It's about, okay, do I feel centered? Do I feel connected to myself? Can I hold my child? Like, am I able to listen to the multitude of different parts Mm -hmm. of myself? And then, like, have the king kind of come in and be like, okay, I hear you all, and we're choosing to go this way, or this is what we're doing, Mm. and being able to direct my internal world to actually align with what I want in this world. And and for me, that begins within.
1: Oh, I see. So then essentially, if you can create that on the inside, then you'll probably have a way better chance at longevity and peace on the outside um, and just how your life shapes up, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I believe the world reflects back to us who we are.
1: Yeah. So
0: if I'm embodied in myself and connected to myself, if yeah. I'm present, I, I find opportunities come to me if it's like, oh, I want to create more money, business, whatever it is, when I'm connected to myself, yeah. that's a lot easier. It's like, oh, I'm leading from that place and I'm having fun, I'm having joy. And so naturally the world around me emerges for like the more scientific view of this. Our unconscious takes about 2 million bits of information in in a second, every Mm. second. There's about 200 million bits coming out. We we process between five and nine of those consciously. Yeah. So what I'm talking about is through this process of changing our internal reality, mm. we change where our perspective lies on the outside. So we open our awareness to maybe things we didn't know about before. So like for a lot of people, I'll use money because that feels easy right now. If it's like someone who's in scarcity will generally always be looking at how money's like being taken from them, how money is disappearing, how they're spending money and always being like, I never have enough mm. now that's their five to nine bits of information that's coming in now through in changing the internal states and their beliefs and what they believe in the world, they open their awareness to be like, Oh, maybe there's a new opportunity here. Like maybe they like, Oh my God, I could start a business because that person asked for that. Or, Oh, like I have, you know, something in the attic where it's worth a couple thousand dollars that I never considered selling. Yeah. Like the, there's open that awareness to realize, oh, money possibilities are everywhere yeah. and change that perspective. And that happens within, and then that changes the external circumstance.
1: So I love it. So then what would you, like, what would be if a man say, let's, let's pretend he's an engineer, right? He is struggling a little bit, Right now, he's feeling a little anxious, Um, you know, he's not quitting his job because that's how he pays his bills right now. And that's just where he's at. But he wants to start making small changes, right? Maybe he hires you on like a practical level. Like, how would you start helping him?
0: So for me, I I would get interested in his anxiety. So I believe there would be a root cause to that to actually discuss why is he feeling anxious? okay, like if I go back to me, it was because I felt unfulfilled. I didn't feel connected yeah. and I felt alone. So yeah. from that, I may look at, okay, is he does he have close relationships? Does he have hobbies? Is he filling his time with things he loves? And, and being like, oh, most likely not because yeah. otherwise he wouldn't be feeling that <laughs> most of the time. Yeah, and, and so that would be a simple way I'd look at that to yeah. start the little steps. And then if that continues to show up, I'd be looking deeper of like, oh, like, do you feel fulfilled in your job? Like, Mm. And for him to just be with the fact, maybe no, like that doesn't mean change right now, Mm -hmm. but to just acknowledge the truth if that is, because a lot of us be like, try and avoid truth Mm -hmm. or that knowing that, hey, I don't enjoy that because that means the discomfort of admitting to ourselves every day, I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. Now that if we admit that, will change eventually, hopefully. Right. Hopefully. But so just okay. get him to admit it if it's true.
1: That's really great. No, that's really important. I love um all of this work. I think it's so important. I I just, you know, it, it, just hearing you talk, it it just brings to mind for me the number of men that are uncomfortable, lonely, unfulfilled, and just like feel like they need to push through, you know? And um I'm just like grateful for men's work um, for them to hopefully find that that's not true. They don't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, it can be hard. Like when you're in that world and you feel disconnected, it's like, if I just do more, maybe yeah. I'll get there.
1: Right. Right. It's like, where are you going? <laughs> where?
0: where are you going? It, it, it's, a, it's a carrot on the end of the stick. It's like, yeah. if you have this, if you have the money, maybe it'll all work out. If you have the job, if you have the relationship, right. Right. It doesn't start there. It starts
2: within.
1: starts within. Totally. I hear that all the time, but I did what I was supposed to do. I hear that all mm-hmm. the time from guys. Ah, Dean, this is lovely. I'm going to ask you one more question. Um, I guess, what do you wish more women knew about men?
0: That we're trying to do our best. Yeah. But, and it's cool. I, I feel from every man I've known, regardless if it's healthy, if he's showing up toxic, he, he's trying the best with the tools he's got.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and when I say that, my heart breaks because I know a lot of men out there aren't doing that in a good way. But yeah. I, I believe that our core men are good and they're just doing what they can.
1: Love it. I believe that too. I believe men are just misunderstood, and it's like Meg Meg mentions this a lot, but the Allison Armstrong quote: "Your man is not a hairy woman. He doesn't do or think or behave in the same way that a woman would." Um, and women all over the world have learned how to judge men's actions based on what they would do, not what men would do. And so that's why men need men. Well,
2: what are the men for?
1: welcome to men's work everybody i hope you've enjoyed this episode i hope you've gotten a little bit of a taste into men's work the importance of a man building his internal validation structure so that he's not looking for that outside of himself um because that's really where it is and um dean i'd love for you to tell everybody where they can find you um where they can hit you up if they want to connect work with you well let them hear it yeah
0: Thank you. Anya. So if anyone wants to connect, uh, firstly, I want to thank you all for listening. This conversation has been very, very fun for me wow. and I've loved being able to explore. So thank you very much. And if anyone wants to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at the Dean Bentley, on Facebook, Dean at Dean Bentley. And I've also got my own podcast, The Weird Way, and you can find that on all major spot of, uh, platform streaming services.
1: Love it. Well, I'm going to link all that stuff down below in the episode. So you guys will just have to tap uh, a link and you'll be there. Dean, thanks so much again. Loved it.
2: Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure.
1: Bye y'all till next time.